Hello and welcome to Hauntedly. I have to start off by saying I apologize in advance if you can hear anything. My neighbors are mowing and I currently am uh, recording in my car because it's the quietest place with two children under three that you can go. So I apologize, but I didn't have a choice. This is the day and the time that I had to record this. So today is a seriously momentous occasion because Hauntedly has its first official patron over at Patreon. And I am like seriously over the moon. Gina Maxwell, you are amazing. Thank you so much for supporting my channel. I honestly, I put the patron together and was like, nobody's ever going to click on this, but I'm going to put it up just in case. So I am super excited that somebody thought that my podcast was worth supporting. For those of you who don't know what Patreon is or who want to know what I plan to do with Patreon funds, let me explain. Patreon is a platform where you can go online, you choose an available tier and support your favorite artist, podcast, writer, whatever, with a monthly pledge amount. Every creator you're supporting will have different kinds of tiers and different things available for each tiers. In my case, I have several different tiers and they all get progressively more items the more money you spend. Uh, the most important is that with most of them, you will be getting bonus content, early access to Hauntedly episodes, and when slash if I begin to have ads in my episodes, you will have access to, to ad-free versions of the episodes in addition to the extra patron content. Some of the extra content that I'm thinking about doing beyond just like bonus episodes about different creatures and hauntings and things. I am planning to do some horror novel reviews like book reviews. A lot of them will be young adult because I am a young adult writer and I used to be a high school librarian and I taught high school for like 15 years. So that's my thing. But that is in the works. I'm currently putting those together to put some up. My plans for any money generated by Patreon other than, you know, jet-setting trips around the world, of course, uh, I have monthly fees for the podcast hosting. I have website fees for the website that goes with the podcast. And I would love to get some new equipment to improve the quality of my podcast. I'd also love to, at some point in the vague future, do some ghost tours or stays in haunted places for the podcast eventually. Maybe even YouTube. That's a whole other category of thing I've never dealt with before, though. Uh, but we'll see. But anyway, so my very first patron is Gina Maxwell. Thank you so much. And if you are interested, there are links to my Patreon uh, on the website, which is hauntedly.com. And if you search for it, it'll come up there too. Um, but anyway, in general, if you are listening to my podcast, whether you are a Patreon or not, thank you. Because without you, a podcast would kind of be impossible. Um, I am so glad that you guys choose to join me. There are lots of podcasts out there, lots of paranormal podcasts, and you're choosing to listen to mine. So thank you. One last thing before I get to today's episode. I know there's a lot of housekeeping at the beginning of this. I'm sorry. We have a really short promo clip for another awesome paranormal podcast that you should definitely check out. It's called Talking with Shadows. 
Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. Now come along with us as we explore the most obscure things our universe has to offer. We specialize in helping people make sense of the most bizarre phenomenon you'll ever come across. You'll get all the great topics such as UFOs, cryptids, and psychic phenomenon, but also some stories that are so spectacular, they scare people to believe that they're true. Now take a seat, and welcome to the One Candle Society. But always remember, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. If you get a chance, be sure to check out Talking with Shadows. Let's move on and get to today's episode. I think this is actually one of the more intriguing and creepier topics that I could have chosen for an episode. And it's from Scotland. And if you know me at all, you know I am a serious fan of all things Scottish, British, Welsh, Irish, all of the British Isles. So today I am going to be talking about the Mackenzie Poltergeist, the Black Mausoleum, and the Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, I don't remember when I actually heard about this particular haunting the first time, but I do remember thinking that it would make a super Hollywood uh, movie or novel. Um, And if you know of a movie about it, please let me know. I would love to uh, give it a watch in the daytime, probably with people around, because I'm a serious wuss when it comes to movies. This is not a story about your average poltergeist. Usually when you hear people talk about them, you hear them in relation to households with teenagers or someone else who's the focal point for the spirit or possibly even the culprit. But this isn't the case here. It doesn't follow one person. It seems to be attached to a place, but it can manifest itself to anyone sometimes after they've left. Which makes it all the more frightening, don't you think? The stories about the poltergeist are numerous and very intense. Greyfriars Kirkyard is considered by some to be the most haunted place in the world. At the very least, it's got to be somewhere near the top of the list. And the hauntings aren't just orbs or whispers in the dark. These ghosts mean business. Scratches, slaps, punches, fires, and more are all reported attacks attributed to the Mackenzie poltergeist. And the strangest part of all is that they have only been happening since the late 1990s. This is not a poltergeist that's, you know, been in existence forever, despite the fact that it is in a very old kirkyard or graveyard. So the story goes that a homeless man was walking through Edinburgh. It was 1998-99. He's cold, he's tired, and the whiskey he had consumed earlier is no match for the Scottish winter rain pelting his body. Standing on the streets of Edinburgh, he doesn't fancy yet another evening curled up against the side of a building in an alley, trying to escape the weather. And then he sees the Greyfriars Kirkyard before him. Lots of bodies in there, and nobody cares if he's had a little bit too much to drink and not enough time in a shower. He ambles into the Kirkyard, hands shoved deep into his pockets and shoulders hunched against the rain. The mausoleum looms before him, and he squints into the darkness beyond the locked tomb doors. At the back, there's a small grate near the floor. Easy enough to pull out and wriggle through. It's too cold to stay outside when the prospect of a dry interior is right before him. It's an easy thing to slip around the back and slide his fingers into the metal grate. A few heaves and it's out, pushed aside, 
and he lays on the ground grunting and cursing as he wiggles through the opening. For once, being wet is useful as it helps him slide along the stone into the cold but dry interior. He stands, sees a set of stairs, and heads into the belly of the tomb. Best to get where no one can see. It's dark and it's dusty, but it's dry, and he sighs a little. Coffins line either side of the mausoleum interior. Bloody Mackenzie's lot. Maybe the old bastard had something of value buried with him. He can't use it now. What's the worst that could happen? He grabs a bit of broken stone and pounds it against the coffin. A hollow, slightly metallic thud rings through the room. They're lead-lined coffins. The man begins to pound in earnest, and in the kirkyard above, the security guard is making his rounds. He looks inside, but hears only the muffled thud of dull metallic pounding, an unnerving sound in a place where the dead lie quiet in their graves. The homeless man backs up a stumbling step, barely noticing that the floor seems to have some give. Another step back, he lifts his arm to deliver another blow, and the floor beneath him falls away. He finds himself tumbling down into another chamber no one knew existed and only dreamed of in nightmares, because beneath the Mackenzie Mausoleum was a plague pit filled with the bodies of victims of the bubonic plague. The rotting corpses were a step too far for the man, who scrambled from the pit, back up through the mausoleum, and then ran screaming into the night, not pausing when pain seared across his head as he cut it on the stones in his hurry to leave. He didn't even stop when he nearly ran over the cemetery security guard and his dog, who had been following the strange banging noises through the kirkyard. The security guard was more than a little startled, but the homeless man who ran screaming into the night was never heard from again. The tale is a frightening one, because when that homeless man broke into the mausoleum, he didn't just find a pit of bodies and desecrate a tomb. He released something. Within the week, a woman looking into the doors of the mausoleum reported being pushed away by a cold gust of air emanating from inside the tomb. Another was found nearby, bruises around her throat, and insisted that an invisible assailant tried to strangle her. The stories of people being assaulted by an unseen force grew so prevalent and violent that the Edinburgh City Council decided that enough was enough and the gate to the Covenanter's prison, where the Mackenzie Mausoleum was located, is now locked. No one enters. And as of this date, the poltergeist has remained within. Mostly. Of course, there was one more incident that may have goaded the poltergeist on. In April 2004, two teenage boys broke into the Mackenzie tomb. They did over 10,000 pounds in damage to the mausoleum. But that isn't the worst part. The boys went inside and used a penknife to saw off the head from one of the mummified corpses. He then put it over his hand and used it like a puppet. The boys were challenged by tour guides as they were leaving with something wrapped in a black blanket between them. They got away then, but were caught when one of them, in a move only teenage boys can understand, brought a girl into the kirkyard to prove that he'd done the deed he boasted about. I have a lot of questions about this teenager, not the least of which is why you would decide to A, saw off somebody's head with a penknife, and B, try to use it as a hand puppet. But I digress. And frankly, let's be honest, if a teenager had broke into my tomb, cut off my head, and then left my body lying around and used me as a puppet, I'd be pretty pissed off too. I actually thought that this story was perhaps more urban legend than actual fact, 
until I found the news article about the court case and sentencing on The Guardian's website, which I was sort of dumbfounded because I really believed that this was one of those, like, somebody broken in and the story had just gotten embellished as time went on. No, no, this one was real, and I just couldn't get past that. Before we dig into the rest of the story about the poltergeist and the Black Mausoleum, a little bit of history might be a good way to come to grips with Greyfriars Kirkyard and why this place, among a city as haunted as Edinburgh, might be where a vicious spirit decides to reside. First, Greyfriars Kirkyard has been a burial ground since the late 1500s. It has so many graves that they say after heavy rains, it is not unusual to find the white glint of bone rising from the ground like flowers. But for the Covenanters prison portion of the Kirkyard, you need some very specific background. On February 28, 1638, everyone who refused to convert from Presbyterianism, which was the re religion prevalent in Scotland at the time, to Episcopalian, which was more prevalent in England, lined up and signed the National Covenant document, which is how they became called Covenanters. You might not think that's a big deal, but you are making people change religion, which historically has never been a good plan. And they are openly defying their king because the king was requiring this of them. Neither is a laughing matter. In 1679, the militant Covenanters were defeated at Bothwell Bridge and 1,200 Covenanters were brought to a field near the Kirkyard and imprisoned. Later, that field was absorbed into the Kirkyard and that area is called Covenanters Prison. The conditions those 1,200 men were subject to were horrific. So bad, in fact, that some call it the first concentration camp. The prisoners were left there in the open, watched like hawks by snipers along walls on two sides. Illness and starvation were rampant, and no one took care of anything. And so for months, men were trapped in a small area among their friends and comrades who were dead and dying. And if they died, they buried them where they fell. By the time the prisoners were released, only a fraction were still alive. That number changes depending on your source. It ranges from under 100 people to around 250. Whichever it is, it's still a pittance compared to the 1,200 that started out there. It's also a testament to their conviction. They were offered the opportunity to go free if they recanted at the end of each day. No one ever took them up on the offer. And to thank for that atrocity, we have George Mackenzie, or Bloody George Mackenzie, as he was known. The man was a real piece of work. It's a bit of irony that when he dies, his crypt is placed within Covenanters prison. As I said, Edinburgh City Council closed up Covenanters prison. No one is supposed to go in or out with one exception. One ghost tour company called City of the Dead Tours have worked with the city council to get permission. As the owner of City of the Dead Tours, Mr. Henderson explains, working with the city council to get the permission gave him access to all of the accounts of the paranormal for this site. And there have been hundreds since the break-in back in 1999. But it isn't just humans that are affected. There have been many dead animals found outside the mausoleum without a mark on them. They're just laying there near it, no explanation or cause of death available, generally speaking. The latest, as of this podcast, was a crow. There's a photo of the dead bird posted on the website for the tourist company. The poltergeist has also been blamed for several fires in houses around the Kirkyard. In October 2003, Henderson himself fell victim to the poltergeist flames. 
His home was next to the Kirkyard and it caught fire as well as the offices for the tour company. Years of photographs, documents, letters, and other evidence of the phenomenon went up in flames. So did all of his possessions. Luckily, he'd saved backup files on a computer in another location. But all the same, no other buildings surrounding his home and office were affected. The fire department found no cause for the fire. So one has to wonder if the poltergeist was on a mission. The strange part of the Mackenzie poltergeist is that while it carries the Mackenzie name, it is unlikely to be Bloody Mackenzie. The Black Mausoleum, which is where most of the incidences are reported, is not actually George Mackenzie's tomb, but that's where the poltergeist manifests itself. It does this in several different ways, mostly involving physical altercations with tour goers. They've reported scratches, bruises, being hit, being punched, being choked. One theory suggests that the amount of emotion in the space from the Covenanters to the plague victims to tour guests themselves is perpetually added to. This in turn helps to fuel the poltergeist activity. In 2000, a spiritualist and respected Scottish psychic named Colin Grant attempted to exercise the poltergeist. His son said in an interview a year later that his father released some 750 spirits before becoming overwhelmed by the sheer amount of activity there. A week later, he collapsed and died of a heart attack. His family says they don't believe the Kirkyard and Poltergeist had anything to do with the death. But it does make you wonder. One of the more interesting things I've read is an article by Tara Carmen from the October 2014 Vancouver Sun. In the article, which is well worth a read of the entire thing, she, her sister Shannon, and their friend Robin are in Edinburgh and decide at the last minute to go on the City of the Dead tour. They are warned about everything, but figure it's a lot of hype, as I imagine most people do. The atmosphere is, after all, perfect to creep you out. While she fears, feels uncomfortable, she decides to enter the mausoleum with the rest of the group, especially after it is pointed out that she'd have to be alone in the cemetery outside if she doesn't. Robin is in the back of the tomb, casually leaning up against the wall. Tara says of her time there, I remember at one point feeling what I can best describe as in a mild electric shock under my feet. I closed my eyes and silently repeated a Buddhist mantra my dad taught me when I was little and having recurring nightmares. I had no idea if it would help, but it made me feel better. Shannon was also mouthing a Wiccan chant. She later recalled feeling anxious and slightly sick. Finally, someone in a monster mask jumped into the entrance of the mausoleum, scaring the daylights out of all of us, except Robin, who didn't react at all. When we came out, Robin asked us how long we'd been in there. Ten minutes, my sister said, recalling that the guide had said that the person in the mask waited exactly that long to scare us, indicating it was time to come out. Robin replied that he had no memory of anyone in a mask jumping out at us. The article continues to discuss the ways that they convince themselves that anything that's happened is just mundane, normal things. Robin has scratches on his back, but he could have done that on the stone without realizing. He and her sister hear a growl when they look through the bars of the Mackenzie's tomb. But it could have been anything. His ear seems hot when he presses it against the tomb to see if he can hear the growl again. Yet another accidental scrape on stone. But there is a sinister side to the things happening to Robin. They're nowhere near the Kirkyard, sitting in the hotel bar, unwinding and having some drinks. Robin jumps up, tearing his shirt off and yelling about a scratch. But it isn't just lines this time. 
His chest has something scratched into it that almost looks like a symbol. They call for help and are told to take him to a hospital. When they delay, he gets sick, then seems to not be himself as he stalks towards Shannon. She says that she just felt like it wasn't him anymore. Enough that she backs up until she hits the wall of the hotel behind her. In the end, they visit the hospital, and after being released and getting some sleep, things appear to be back to normal in the morning. But Robin still can't remember the time in the mausoleum, and they can't ignore the events from the previous evening. The Mackenzie poltergeist has claimed yet another set of victims. Reading the story really was interesting, and you really should go read the whole thing, because I've really, like, summarized very briefly here. It wasn't just hearsay or a post on Reddit or a forum. It's an actual article on a real newspaper website. It gives a little more weight when you're looking at an article written by a reporter and someone who didn't set out to experience something for the sake of an article. They were there, they went. It wasn't like we are going on a ghost tour because I want to experience this to write an article. I think the scariest part of the Mackenzie Poltergeist is the very fact that many people report scratches and other strange phenomena after they return to their homes or hotels for the night after a tour. Sometimes that might just be because they don't notice the scratches that appeared under their clothes until they burn under the spray that night or are noticed in a mirror as clothes are changed. But other times, with reports like these of the scratches being felt long after the tour is over, or lights dimming and other things like that that are reported, it's uncomfortable that you might go for fun on a ghost tour in Edinburgh and then bring a dark entity home with you. And if it can follow people home, I would be concerned that if it came home with me, it might decide that it likes it and not go back so quickly. The tour website and Instagram regularly post photos of scratches and marks that people have experienced on the tour, as well as some of the animals that have been found dead outside the tomb. It's actually really, it's interesting and also really creepy. I'd highly suggest you check them out to get an idea of what things people are reporting. Um, I wanted to find more first-hand accounts of things that had happened either at the tomb or after a tour. And there were a few really awesome accounts on Reddit, which I couldn't get permission to read here on the podcast. Um, I also went on TripAdvisor, just on a whim, uh, and looked through the reviews for City of the Dead tours. They do offer more than one tour, um, and I don't know that all of them go to the Mackenzie Poltergeist area. But several people in their reviews mention the fact that they were scratched after going and seeing the Poltergeist tour. Um, or there were a few that were scratched. There were a couple that talked about having bruises. So I find it interesting that even on TripAdvisor, they're listing these things that happened. So if you're in the mood to be scared and you happen to be in Edinburgh, by all means, take the tour. I totally will take this tour even knowing all of this, uh, if I ever make it to Edinburgh, which fingers crossed someday, it's on my bucket list. I would totally do this. This and St. Mary's Close, I would love to do, which there'll be an episode on St. Mary's Close as well. But uh, if you've ever been, I would love to know what you thought. If you've experienced anything or not, I'd still like to know what you thought. And if you want to know more about the tours, you can go to the website. They have lots of stories and photos. It's actually really interesting. You can also go on YouTube and there are a couple of people who have like posted portions of the tours and they do sound like they're very interesting, very entertaining tours. So all in all, Mackenzie Poltergeist is, I find it very creepy both because it's in a very old place, but the poltergeist activity is actually relatively new. 
but it's also really consistent. It's consistent in how it shows up and the stories are pretty consistent. Like it doesn't deviate a lot. I find it interesting that so many people, some of whom may have known about it in advance, but a lot of whom didn't, all have the same kind of thing happening. And it does make you wonder what exactly is going on. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast episode and that you will subscribe, rate, and review Hauntedly on whatever platform you use. I was super excited that not only did we have our first patron this week, I also noticed that somebody has given me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I didn't, there was no like written review, but they gave me five stars. So whoever you are, thank you very much. That made my evening. The other thing you can do, if you are enjoying this podcast and you know somebody you think would like it, please tell people to listen. And this doesn't go just for me. This goes for any podcast. The best way to help a podcast grow is just to tell people about it. If you want to connect, I would love to connect with you. I am on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Facebook, by the way, there is also a Facebook group for podcast listeners. Please stop by and join and have conversations about spooky things. And again, I also have a Patreon page where you will have access to exclusive extras. You can find all the links to all the things on my website, hauntedlypodcast.com. If you have a story you want to share for one of my listener episodes, I would love to hear it. Just email me at hauntedlypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for hanging out with me today. I hope you have a spooktastic day. And remember, if one door opens when another door closes, your house is probably haunted. Bye.